Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Good morning to everybody. Hope that you are doing well. Um, yeah, as, as Nathan and Emily said, hello, my name is Ben. If we've not had the privilege of meeting, uh, Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for taking time and carving time out of your Sunday because you could be anywhere doing anything else, but you're here. And uh, for those that are on home, at home viewing this, uh, you're at home, you're at work, hopefully not behind the steering wheel of a vehicle or a heavy piece of machinery. But uh, I've seen a few people. I've actually been guilty a time or two of that. But uh, is this confession session? No, this is we're headed into our, our, our message for today. But um, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for being here today. Um, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at C1, and I have the opportunity to, to be on one of the um, one of the individuals on the speaking team. We have a, a team of people that come up and deliver a message from God's Word, and so I'm thankful to be a part, humbled to be a part of that team. And uh, for those of you that are keeping track, I've typically been here about every six weeks I'm up here. It was three weeks ago. So for some of you, some of you people in the room that you've been marking your calendar, you're like, wait a second, he's not supposed to be up yet. You're right, uh, but we're here. Um, Pastor Ryan and, and Amy are in Missouri. They're visiting with their folks. Um, so Amy's brother leads a stronger men's conference at a church called James River. And so they invited uh, Ryan to be a part of that, Pastor Ryan to be a part of that event. And uh, just icing on the cake was they both have parents that are within striking range of this church. And so they got to see their parents and the grandparents got to see their grandkids. Any grandparents in the room know what I'm talking about? So they're having, they're having fun and we're thankful that, uh, that they have that opportunity. We miss them, but that's why you're stuck with me. So anyways, I've put it out there. There's the explanation. Today we get to launch into a new series that we're actually calling Rest. And some of you are like, okay, well, that's what I do every week, every day of every week. I've been retired for 20 years, uh, and I know you better than that. I know you don't sit around on your duff for the last 20 years. I know that uh, most of the people I've talked to, they're actually a little more busy and involved than they actually were in their careers. So whether that's you or not, rest, it is. We, we were sitting around a table having conversation about... Um, Asking questions like this, what does God want to say to us? What does God want to say to our church? What is, what is he saying to each of us? And we're, we're, what's a message that we feel like that we need to hear? Um, and this, definitely, this topic hit the table. And so we wrestled with it a little bit. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into a series called Rest. Uh, and I want to begin by saying, what a blessing the last year has been. Yes, you heard that right. Let me say that again. I just want to say how, what a blessing this last year has been. Now, COVID has afforded us so many opportunities to be the church. There were moments when we were not able to have our doors open. And it forced us out of our cozy little comfort zones. And something that our staff has repeatedly said since, and we've talked about this over and over, and how we have grown and that we are better after going through the year that we just had. And I know that we don't like that, uh, to go through the kinds of years that we just had. But looking, it's amazing what, uh, how, how good hindsight is, right? It's amazing how like, hindsight doesn't need 
glasses or contacts. You can see pretty clearly when you look back. And so we're thankful to God for that. We had to rethink how we do things, not just churches, but, but businesses and life and family gatherings and, and things that need to continue to happen. Uh, we had to rethink how to do that. And we've been able to reach people we never would have reached. And there's so many other things that I could add to that list on why last year was such a great year. So I, I do want to just put that out there. But I also feel like that I would uh, not be doing justice if I didn't at least speak to the elephant in the room. And I think it's okay to talk about the toll that this last year has taken on us. Countless friends and family members, maybe you can relate, have either lost their jobs or received pay cuts. And they had to, once again, get creative, figure out ways to figure out how to make ends meet at the end of the, at the, end of the month to be able to pay the bills. Many have lost loved ones. Many people have been sick and, or ill themselves. Maybe they've been even unable to visit loved ones and friends because of uh, all that was going on. And, or maybe you were here and you had to figure out, or you're watching, and you had to figure out a way to work from home because going to the office was no longer an option. And not to mention the psychological effects that, that worry and fear and the unknown and, and anxiety and isolation, just to name a few, has had on us. I think it's safe to say I deal with people all week long, and most of them are over the age of 60. So a lot of these people that I get to speak with are actually uh, beyond their career. So they're in retirement. And I, I think it's safe to say, and I can speak for my age group as well, we are tired. We are weary and we are worn out. And the Bible has something to say about that. But the question that needs to be asked is, what are we going to do about that? Is it just is being tired, is being weary, is being worn out just part of life? And is there any that, anything that can be done about it? And I think the answer is that, yes, I think we can do something about that. And if you would journey with us over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring these questions and unpack some things that are available to us and I believe could help you experience rest for your body, mind, and soul. The title for today's message is called A Sabbath for Everybody. And I, I want to uh, begin with a question. Why rest? Like, is rest... Really what people do when they die? Is that the only time you get to do this? I've heard some people say, I'll rest when I'm dead. Um, you might be closer to that than you think. Yeah. <laughs> but why rest? And with that question, the first point that I want to make is the answer to the question. Is that you and I have limits. We have limits. We're going to open up a passage of scripture. There's a book of the Bible called Genesis. It means beginning. It happens to be the first book in the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the words will be up on the screen if you're following along in your Bible there, or if you'd like, on the screen is cool too. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. That You and I have limits. And so this account starts out like this, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation for today. Verse 1, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. I'll, give a, I'll just give a moment to kind of catch up there. Genesis chapter 
2, verses 1, 2, and 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Verse 2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So I encourage you to read the first few chapters, if you've never done this before, uh, open up the Bible and read those first few chapters, the account of creation. I encourage you to do so. It's, it's, it is, um, it, you will not fall asleep. It's not like opening up Leviticus or Numbers. Uh, you're going to get into Genesis. You're going to be like, okay, th- I've heard some of this stuff. Wow, there's a lot going on in those few chapters. But... If, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I'm getting ready to just delve into what those first few chapters look like. So hit pause or fast forward for the next minute if you're watching the video. But an infinite God creates the heaven and earth and everything in them simply by speaking. He just says, he just speaks and creation happens. Everything in the heavens and the earth, everything in them is, is created. Simply by speaking, God creates light Sky, land, vegetation, sun, moon, and stars, fish, and sea life, birds, animals, and humans. God created rhythms and, and contrast throughout this creation. It just wasn't this just blob of life. It was orchestrally, is that a word? Orchestrally, orchestrally put together, and it was intricately woven and very intentionally made and there's rhythm and there's there's contrast and there's there's parameters in which everything was done and that God said it was good day and night stars to mark the seasons and days and years and we have those same limits today you and I as we as as disconnected as we can feel from this passage that we can open up in the Bible we start thinking about the stuff that's read that we read there, and it's like, yeah, so raise your hand if, if you still have 24 hours in your day. Are there still seven days in your week? Are there still 365 days in your year? And, and, and other things, like you can only go so long without food, and depending on which channel you're watching, like Bear Grylls, you know, he's like, oh, I'm out there for three weeks and I don't have to eat anything. But we can only last so long without food and water. And we can only go so long without sleep. And we cannot function without oxygen. I mean, there's just so many limits. There's so many things that have been, that's just the way that God intended, the way that things are. And we still, very much so, have those same limits today. You and I have limits. And it's important to understand these limits. We don't... and. And if you, maybe if you don't hear anything else underneath this point, I need you to hear this because this is a this is a concept that changed my way of thinking, pretty much everything through everything I look through this lens in life, and it's that that you and I don't get to say yes to everything. Let me say that again: you and I don't get to say yes to everything. If we were a limitless being, like God, God is limitless. He, he, gets, he gets to say yes to everything if he wants to. He, he doesn't have any parameters that he has to fit inside. God is just God. He stands outside of time. He's all-powerful. He doesn't take his orders from anyone, doesn't need anyone. And so 
We can't relate to that. We have 24 hours in a day, and, and we only have a, a, so much time and resources that we can give or deliver. Think about it. Time. We all have the same amount of time every single day. What we do with that time probably looks a lot different. Energy. I know, some of you, I, I crawled in here the last few weeks, and so I, I, I had a back injury uh, two weeks ago, and man, I'm telling you, um, regardless of where you're at in the season of life, you have a certain amount of energy. Maybe it's less than what, you were, what you're used to or when you were in your prime, but all of us have a certain amount of energy that we can give. You only have so many words that you can actually speak or listen to throughout your day. Some of you have already hit that limit. But all of our resources, even our money, we've only got so much. Even Bill Gates has only got so many resources. So having limited resources, we don't get to say yes to everything. We'd like to say yes to everything, especially if you're a people pleaser and you have that in your DNA or your makeup, and that's part of like how you've been created is you want to make people happy, just like a little puppy. That's okay, but I just need you to understand that you don't get to make everyone happy all the time. And if you do, you know what that existence feels like, don't you? It's futile. It doesn't work. It doesn't last very long because we can't say yes to everything. And everything that we say yes to, we in essence say no to something else. So it's important to know that we have limits, and it's important to know those limits. It's not a bad thing. The second thing that I point that I'd like to make is, is that this, the Sabbath is made for us. And if you don't know, if you've never heard this word before, Sabbath. Um, Sabbath is, um, comes from a word that means sabbat. And in essence, it's this idea of when God had created the, the heavens and the earth and everything in them after six days, on the seventh day, he didn't like sit in a recliner. He just stopped creating. He ceased working. He ceased creating. And so that's the idea with this, this, this Sabbath, is that Sabbath or this day of rest. It's a day of ceasing, ceasing from, from your typical six-day workload. And so we're going to be in a, in a book of the Bible that's a little bit further on into your Bible. It's called the Gospel or, or, or the book of Mark chapter 2 verses 23. And Jesus is um, getting ready to speak to this idea of Sabbath. And he's getting ready to speak to it because his disciples do something that wasn't, um, it was a faux pas. And they just do this thing as they're walking through the field. We're getting ready to read it. And Jesus addresses this judgmental group that happens to see the disciples doing something. And so Jesus speaks to this issue or this idea that the Sabbath is made for us. This, a day of rest is made for us. Verse 23, and it says this in the Gospel or the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 23. And we're going to go through 28. One Sabbath day. As Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when 
Abathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, and get this next sentence because this is where this is the this is the punchline. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Let me say that again. You're like, did Jesus just say that? The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Then verse 28, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So, Jesus speaks of a time when David goes in and he takes bread that only the priests were supposed to touch. And so, Jesus, or Jesus is basically saying, hey, you guys justify David and what he did. And, if, and in terms of, of, of the disciples grabbing some heads of grain as we're walking and what David did, there is no comparison. Someone would be killed for what David did, but David was David. So, he, so not only did he get away with it, but in essence, like Jesus is saying what's happening here is nowhere near what happened back then. And you guys justify what, what happened back then, and, and it's fine. So, in other words, at the end of the day, the Sabbath isn't about God upstairs as a control freak and just looking for us, his little ants, to fry us with his magnifying glass the minute that we slip up. That the Sabbath wasn't that God is stuck on himself, and he needs every one day every week for people to sing to him and tell him how good he is. That's not why the Sabbath was created. And that's not why God rested on the seventh day. He didn't rest because he needed to rest. He didn't rest because he was tired. He knew that we would need to. And the Sabbath was created for us. It was made for us. Knowing the limits that we live within. The Sabbath was made for us. Made to meet the needs of people, not people meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Some of you are like, are we hearing this in church? It's supposed to be the other way around. No, that's what Jesus said. We could write a long book of things that we uh, can't believe Jesus said or things I wish Jesus hadn't said, but he said it. Because we have limits, God created Sabbath. It was almost like God was saying, believe me, you're going to need this. And once again, how this idea of rest is not just sitting in a corner and doing what my dad told me to do every time I got bored, and that's playing with my belly button. <laughs> Are you bored? Then sit in a corner and play with your belly button. Like, in other words, I'm not here to entertain you. And so some of you are like, is that a thing? <laughs> Maybe your parents told you the same thing. You get bored, son, go sit in a corner and play with your belly button. But... That's not what rest means. In fact, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like a horrible thing to have to do. Because a belly button's only fascinating for so long. But <laughs> believe me, I've, I've tried to get it, squeeze as much mental juice out of how awesome a belly button can be. And it's just a belly button. But resting isn't just doing nothing. Rest is intentional. Rest is choosing not to continue to do what we were doing. 
And actually, it takes quite a bit of self-control, especially if we are designed to be a workaholic or we like the, the feeling of accomplishment and we're driven by that. It actually takes a, a great deal of intentionality and control to cease what you've been doing for the last week. But God didn't need a break. He was setting an example for us, not because he's, he needs us to stop working and he's some control freak upstairs. It's about when we, you and I, are able to cease from work and we make a choice and we're intentional about it. In a nutshell, we are able to rejuvenate best when we tune in and pay attention to the things that matter most. Let me say that again. If something happens when we, instead of sitting around for one day a week and we do nothing, which is not what Sabbath is about, something happens and we are able to rejuvenate and regenerate or, 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 or charge our batteries best when we tune into the things and we pay attention to the things that matter most. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that can actually look like tangibly, but in essence for God's people, what they would do is they would spend time remembering God, what he has taken them through, what he's brought them from, and what he's taking them through, and what he's yet to do. Thinking about and spending time meditating in his word, singing songs like we just did. That's where we get the concept of people going to church is we're coming together and we're remembering and thinking about and worshiping God for who he is and setting our minds on the things that matter most. But it's also more than that. It was more than that just for these people. They didn't sit around in a tent and have church for 24 hours. They spent time with their families. They spent time with, at the end of the day, let's just be honest, at the, although I'm a pastor at a church, my first calling and my first ministry isn't to this church. My first calling and my first ministry is to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so as that plays itself out, then the next thing that I'm responsible for and I'm going to give an account to God for is the way that I've treated and the way that I've served and come alongside my family. That's my ministry. That's my mission field. That's my next mission field. Once my connection with the Lord is intact and I'm honoring him, putting him first, seeking him first, the next is how I'm ministering to my family. And so that's what they would do. They would all have time thinking about, singing about, listening to the word of God, but they'd also spend time as families eating meals together, sitting and having quality time together. Sabbath was tuning in and paying attention to the things that matter the most. And it's easy for those things to get lost in the shuffle, isn't it? It's funny how I've caught myself time and time again. Like, you'd think that when you get busy, it's, it'd be the stupidest things that fall to the side first. It's actually the opposite. Unchecked, we let the things that are most important, think about this for a second. We let the things that matter most slip the, the quickest. But Sabbath is an opportunity to, to, to recalibrate. It's an, it's an opportunity to be reminded, to carve out time for the things that matter most. The third and final point, would, and kind of bringing this to a head, is that, that God provides a better way if we trust and obey. God provides a better way if we trust and obey. The last account that we're going to read is uh, it's a portion out of the Ten Commandment passage in the Bible. It's in, in a book of the Bible called Exodus. And so God's laying out some commands for his people. And they're not requests, they're commands. 
But this particular command is the only one that actually kind of gets like a, it kind of gets, it gets a bunch of verses. The other commands are like, don't murder, don't do this, don't say that. However, this command that we're getting ready to, to read, it, there's great detail here. There's an explanation. And I love that. Just so happens that it's the one that we're going to be talking about today. The book of Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to be starting in verse 8. And it says this. And this is God speaking, writing these commands to his people. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember, this isn't a suggestion or a request. This is a command of God to his people. You have six days each week for ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, this points back to the Genesis passage that we read earlier. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh, he rested, or he ceased. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're listening in today or you're here, that this is not a recommendation. This is a command. And the command isn't just to rest one day. It does say that. But it also says, it also talks about six days of work. There's a lot, the Bible has a lot to say about that too. If we're not working, we shouldn't be eating and all that kind of stuff. We have the physical ability to be able to work. So there's something to be said about that too. And to be honest with you, um, I'm not even going to go there. But let's just leave it at that. It talks about that there's six days for your ordinary work. In other words, you've got plenty of time to get things done. If you can't get things done in six days, you, ain't, you just need a better system. You need someone with structures that can walk in and help you get some stuff done in six days. But that one day is going to come around. You know that every single week. So six days you do your ordinary work. Get better at that. Do better with that. Have excellence with that. Be productive with that. But on the seventh day, it's dedicated. The word holy is set apart, set aside. It's different. It's intentionally set aside to be its own day. But it's not what you think. It's, it's funny, especially when we read a passage like this and it's in this list of like commands. It's like, don't do this, and don't do that. And we can just immediately assume that this is just another list of do's and don'ts. And every single one of you have those in your house. Maybe you don't have them written down somewhere, but there's just a way that your house works or your family has worked growing up. But there's just this list of things you can and can't do. And this is more than that. God doesn't need something from you. He doesn't need something from me. God has something for us. When we trust and obey what God has commanded us to do, there is a dimension that opens up to us. And I have just a few examples of this. When God says to do this, and we obey and we do it, what that actually looks like. So, for the people that had just received this set of commands. 
they're in the middle of this God-forsaken desert. It actually wasn't God-forsaken because God was with them, but you know what I mean. This is a horrible desert. I lived in the desert for about seven years, so I know exactly what desert life is like. I mean, there, if you're going out there to find a snack, you, there's slim pickings. There's slim pickings, and you better be fast because the little bit of snacks that are out there are quick. And so there is not a whole lot, but God, for 40 years, provided a thing called manna every single morning with the exception of one day a week. For 40 years for his people. And it was like, it's kind of like cream of wheat, except on the ground, and it tastes like honey. And it was there every single morning, but God was very clear, and he gave very clear parameters and direction that on the Sabbath, there's no work to be done. So I'm not going to drop any on that day. The day before, I'm going to drop twice the amount that you normally would get. And it's so that you have what you need for that day of rest. And as humanity does, an authority or someone who walks in and sets the parameters of the rule, it's our, it's our natural intention, just our natural, whatever you want to call it, thing to go, mm, I don't think this is right. So people would actually hoard more than they wanted or more than they needed. And the, the funny thing about that was is when they, when they disregarded what God had said, that, that stuff spoiled, and they weren't even able to eat it. And they got punished for doing that. But God was clear about that. He was like, hey, I understand what I've asked you to do, and I'm going to take care of you. And I know that you're thinking, what, what, what happens if we rest one out, of every, one out of every seven days we rest one day and we don't do anything? And I was like, I'm going to take care of that. I'm, I'm going to take care of you. And he did. And it took them a while to get, grasp this concept, but they would go out the day before Sabbath and there would be twice as much. And they'd gather that up so they had enough for that day and for Sabbath. So that's a, that's a great example of like when we trust and obey that God's got our back, that God's, God's going to make a way. God made a way for his people for 40 years. Food on the ground every morning. But another thing that I think about when I think about just this concept is like, and I know some of you are going to you're gonna turn your antenna off as soon as I say this word, so just bear with me here. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I don't know how about you. I am guilty of more times than on fingers on, on this hand of pulling into the drive-thru on a Sunday. Has anyone ever done that? I don't know what where my mind was because when you pull up to an empty Chick-fil-A, one of two things have happened. They're closed for Sunday or like there's, a, there's something crazy going on and, and, and you know the whole place is up in flames or something. But you never walk into a Chick-fil-A and it's empty. I have driven up to that. I'm, I'm just going to be in a moment of transparency. I have driven up to the sign and I was like, why aren't they answering? Where is that beautiful voice I expect to hear through that speaker saying, uh, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How may I serve you or how may I help you or whatever? And, oh, it's Sunday. This Chick-fil-A, their CEO and founder, had made a decision, and his decision has been honored by his kids, and they continue to pass this, this, this philosophy down through, through uh, now I guess uh, the original CEO's son oversees the company. And, and they have said, we have no intention at any time soon doing away with what we've started. And that's that every seventh day on Sundays, they are closed. 
they're closed. And people predict, business people, people that understand money and how, how, our, how, how the economy works, say that Chick-fil-A probably misses out on $1 billion a year for that decision. $1 billion. But at the end of the day, and I'm not saying that every, if you have a business here and you're open on Sundays, I'm not, I'm, please understand, I'm not speaking for the Lord on this, but I am saying that this founder in his heart felt that God had asked him to, hey, instead of being greedy, do what I've asked and set aside one day. Set aside a Sabbath day for me. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of you. And what's interesting is that what business minds would say is that's the dumbest idea you could do. When you got people like McDonald's, that they aren't just open seven days a week. They're open 24-7. Chick-fil-A's not. I've checked. <laughs> 3 a.m. in the morning, give me a chicken sandwich. Uh, they're closed. Actually, they're saying that actually it was one of the smartest business moves that they could have made. And they're actually doing just as well or better than any other chain. And the reason is, is because people know they can't get it on Sunday, so they're sure as heck going to do it on on Saturday. They're going to get their Chick-fil-A, or they're going to be there first thing on Monday morning. But the cool thing is, is in addition to that, it gives their employees a set day off every single week. And yet... They're not just competing. They're, they are they're doing an incredible job against competition. And I just think at the end of the day, it's because God provides a better way if we trust him. Now, if you have a business and you haven't felt like God's put a conviction on your heart as a business too close for Sunday, then by all means, keep doing your thing. But this gentleman felt that the right thing for him was to rest. Yes, he'd like to make $1 million more a year, but at the end of the day, somehow in God's economy, I don't know how it works, but somehow he turns six days into seven. I don't know how, but in somehow God's economy, he takes 90% of your giving and he turns it back into more than you would have had had you kept the 100% on your own. I don't know how that works. I don't know. I'm not the creator, but I do know this, that when he has asked us to do something and we trust and obey him to do it, he is faithful and he comes through every single time. God has something for you. He doesn't need something from you. He has something for you and I, and he provides a better way. And this, this, this is not just about time and energy and just like Sabbath. This has to do with everything. I mean, even our sexuality, God has a plan for that. Can you do it your way? Can, can you, instead of doing what God has asked to do and living within the parameters that he's designed and created for us, his creation, can we go outside those parameters? Absolutely you can. But I'm telling you, it's going to hurt. It's not going to go well for you. Can you continue to work seven days a week and it just work out for you and you just watch your bank account continue to just be nice and flush? Yeah, absolutely you can. You can, but I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, it's not a good long-term plan. God has a way of doing things. And if we honor that way, we come under his leadership. If he's set parameters, we come under those parameters He'll honor and bless us every time when we trust and obey him. But there is that level of trust, isn't there? Because at the end of the day, I'm like you. I've written the check that I felt like we didn't have. 
I've not gone into the office and been home, and I'm like, I don't know how it's going to get done. I'm just telling you, I don't understand how. But I do know this, that God is, is passionate about a relationship with every single one of us, and a relationship cannot and will not grow without trust. And God is always looking to grow our level of trust in him. And so why wouldn't he think of one day a week, I want you to be reminded about who I am, that you don't, that everything that you and I have anyways isn't ours to begin with. Any money you have, any breath in your lungs, any possession, any family member, it's God's. The Bible's clear that the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. And the, the quicker we can wrap our heads around that, the easier it is to just listen and what he's asked us to do because if it belongs to him, then, man, why can I keep working my fingers to the bone? Yeah, absolutely I can. Can I keep all the money to myself? Absolutely you could, and of course you can. Something amazing about free will. Can you have it your way? Yes, you can. Knock yourself out, but I'm telling you there's a better way. God's way. And so, I felt like um, what I would like to do today is um, is maybe just get the ball rolling and, 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 and getting some ideas or some, some handles or some tangibles of how we could potentially take, uh, whether Sunday is your day of Sabbath or not, maybe, maybe for you, uh, I know for a lot of friends that I have that are pastors, like Sunday is not a day of rest. I mean, if anything, it's one of the days where you're putting in more time than any other day. So it doesn't have to be Sunday. The day doesn't matter as much as that it needs to be a day off each week, that you set it aside, that it's holy, it's set apart, that it's, uh, that it's, it's meant for. You may have a schedule that doesn't allow you to do Sundays, and maybe that's why you're watching in on the video, and that's cool, that's fine. There's nothing golden about Sunday. To be quite honest, I, I, I think the Jewish people observe it on Saturday anyway, so if you're going to, for more of an original take, you might try Saturdays, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the day as much as it matters that there's a day of rest. And maybe if you have a crazy schedule, maybe you're working two to three jobs and you're here and you're like, I don't even know how to make a day off work because I don't get a day off. Then I would say, why not this? Why not, why not take a few days, carve out time that you have and equal it to 24 hours? Some of you are like, can you do that? I mean, it can't hurt for you burning the candle at both ends 24-7. It's definitely going to be better than that. But start somewhere. Start somewhere. So maybe it's not Sunday, but maybe if it is Sunday, you could start some of these things today. And what I want to do is I just want to give you some ideas. None of this is like necessarily based off of Scripture, but these are ways that I've thought about how can we, how can, what are some things that we can actually do on Sabbath rather than just sit around in a corner looking at our belly button. So these are just to get the ball rolling, some ideas. And some of these you may already do, so spit out the bones, keep the meat. Share a meal with family or friends. Taking a nap. Finding something that fills your tank. If you're an introvert, it's not hanging out with people. Let me just give you a spoiler alert. If you're an introvert and your idea of recharging your batteries was coming into church, you have a slow self-awareness. So 
Let me help you. Go find a corner and don't play with your button, belly button. Read a book or do something that charges you up. But it's probably silence and it's probably away from people. And that's okay. That's the way you're designed. But find something that fills your tank and do it. Visit a shut-in or someone that you know that's going through a hard time. What? You can go do stuff on a Sabbath? Jesus did. He healed sick people on the Sabbath. He forgave sins on the Sabbath. He served people on the Sabbath. Yes, of course you can. If Jesus did it and he's asked us to, to follow in his footsteps, yes, we can do it too. Maybe mow someone's lawn. Maybe play a board game with someone. Or maybe a game, and it's not even a board game. Maybe you can't see people yet and, and, and you're still at home or you still need to be away from people. Maybe, maybe hit someone up on an app or on, on a game off of your phone. Maybe go for a walk. Call a family member that you haven't spoken to for a while. Put your cell phone on sleep and for goodness sake, put it away for the day. Maybe it's more than just that. Maybe it's like all things electronics. If you're sitting in front of a monitor six days a week, what would it look like if you went Amish for one day? What would that actually look like? I think it would look pretty awesome, to be honest with you. It would probably feel weird at first, but it would be awesome. You'd have a much fresh perspective walking in on a Monday probably. Turning off electronics. Reading the Bible. Or getting on Right Now Media and walking through, walking through one of the studies that are out there and available to every single person. Read a good book. Cook together with a friend or family. If you can't actually get together with them, do it over Messenger or Zoom. Go through clothing and household items that you don't use. It's just been sitting there. And donate it to someone who could. Take someone flowers. Write a note of appreciation to your kid's teacher or your grandkid's teacher. Go camping. That was in there for Ryan. I know he's going to watch this. Go camping. Have friends over for tea or coffee. Or maybe journaling or listing out and sitting there in silence and just thinking about all that God has done for you this last year. These are just some ideas to get the ball rolling. But what I would ask is that you take one, or if you don't like any of these, then you have to come up with ten of your own and implement at least two of them. If not today, the day that you will take this week for Sabbath to set aside. Because at the end of the day, we have limits. You don't get to say yes to everything. Not on this side of eternity. We don't get to say yes to everything. So be intentional about the things you say yes to so that you feel good about the things that you have to say no to. But not just that. We don't just have limits, but God has designed a Sabbath day for us, for us to rejuvenate, for us to hone in and be reminded about the things that matter most, our relationship with him and our relationship with others. Working can wait. It will be waiting for you the next day. I promise you that. It will definitely be waiting for you. But I think God's waiting for us on the Sabbath too. And if he's asked us to do it, 
consider it done. But lastly, that God provides a better way. Yes, we can continue to work seven days a week. Yes, you can continue to have it your way. Yes, you can continue to do that. But I'm just telling you that there's a better way. And God's way is the best way. And so um, I just, if it's okay, I'd like to pray over you. And, and, and two, if, if you come up with some, uh, some ideas or some things as you're thinking about what, what is a way that you can honor the Lord on a day of rest and it's life-giving to you, I would love to hear about it. Um, I can give you my cell phone number. You can come find me, uh, whether it's today or find, find me on Facebook or, or go to the church website. I would love to hear of some ways that you've found that have rejuvenated you, that have given you life and helped you to be a part of that life-giving to others as well on Sabbath. But that's the response. The response can't be done here. It needs to be done in your own space, in your own time, and, 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 and when you've had a time to kind of figure that out and what that looks like for you. So if it's okay, I'd love to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so uh, so much that you, um, you you made us with limits. You could have made us as robots that just work 24-7 and don't need breaks, don't need oxygen or water or food or anything like that, but you didn't do that. You made us with limits. And at the end of the day, I think that there's something to be said about um, I, I can just speak to being a parent that I, um, I don't want to, I don't want to be a control freak, but I, but I love it when my, when my kids, I can help them with something or, or I love it when I, when there's an opportunity to, at the end of the day for them to, to depend on me. And, uh, and, and I thank you for incorporating and, and creating a space for us to remember who you are and, and, and that we need you and we can't function without you. And thank you for at least uh, at least one day, and it could be more than one day a week, but thank you for, the, for, for saying, hey, you're going to need this. And I pray that you'd give us, um, you'd help us trust you enough to just uh, to, to try it. Maybe if someone's listening in today, they don't have a relationship with you, uh, but, but they just begin to implement some of these ideas. I, I really think they're even going to benefit from that too. But man, for those of us that have a relationship with you, Lord, uh, this is this is not something that you've you've kind of said. Hey, you might want to do that. This is a, this is a command. It's something that you've said. Yeah, you're going to need that. And I pray that we'd obey, and we trust you in that, and that in that obedience and in that trusting, that people would see you, that you would help rejuvenate us, that you would help uh, breathe new life into us, and not just so that we can go back and just work our you know work our rear ends off for the next six days, but so that when we head into our work week. We have a fresh perspective. We have eyes to see people that are in need. We have, we ha- we have the capacity to, to, to help and to take on wherever people are at and to come alongside. And it's amazing, Lord, that is, is, I believe this with all my heart, as we lean into and we really set aside a day and a time for you and for, for those that you've put around us to honor that and just to cherish the things that matter most, that you will... Uh, you will give us fresh, uh, a fresh, a fresh perspective as we head into our world with the perspective that, that you have, looking for people that need you, looking for opportunities to help others, looking for uh, all the opportunities that you place in front of us at the end of, the, of, of, of every, uh, each week. So I pray that you give us eyes to see those things as we lean in and obey to this this call for each of us to just say, hey, yes, you could do seven days, 
but what would it look like if we just set it aside and trust me? Pray that we do that and thank you that you have a better way and it doesn't need to make sense necessarily, but thank you that you have a better way for us and I pray that this week that we would just find some tangible ways to be able to make Sabbath or this, this day of ceasing work to be intentional about that and that you would just that you'd speak to our hearts, you'd fill us up so we can go out and pour you out uh, for the rest of the week. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming today. Hope you have a good Sabbath. If today is your Sabbath, if it's not, I hope you have an amazing day where you can uh, celebrate Sabbath this week. And like I said, send those, send responses if you like. I'd love to hear ideas that you have. Have a great week. See you next week.